Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to New Day Church. If you're new with us today, my name is Andrew, and it is my privilege to share the word with you today. I'm so glad you're in person with me. We've got a nice full room in person. If you're joining us online, maybe for the first time ever online, we're so glad that you joined us. Thanks for being here. And we're getting into the parables, as Summer said, and I'm so happy about this. And Mike did such a wonderful job last week, as he always does, just really laying the foundation for parables. And he explained what they are, and he went into some depth last week, and it was so great. So if you missed last week, I would love for you to, at some point, to catch up on our YouTube channel, subscribe, like, do all those fun things, and then make sure you watch that message. That'll be great. I'll try to catch you up to speed a little bit today as we dive into the first actual parable of maybe six or seven that we're going to talk about in the next few weeks. And so uh, I want to cover that today. So that's the goal. And it's Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. And then we're skipping to 18 to 23 because Mike covered that chunk in between. And this is called the parable of the sower. So in, in verses 1 through 9, Jesus actually shares the parable of the sower. And then in verses 18 to 23, he explains it. But it's actually kind of funny to me that it's called the parable of the sower. Because what that is, again, we're not really an agrarian society, so maybe you should explain it a little bit. Like a sower is like a person, you can imagine them like a bag of seeds strapped over their arm. And they're walking around a field and they're taking the seeds in their hand and they're just scattering the seed and they're trying to sow seeds for growth, for a crop, maybe wheat, barley, whatever it might be, maybe a fruit tree, whatever it is, but they're throwing those seeds out. That's a sower. But as you study this, as I have done, it's actually less about the sower and it's more about the soil. It's actually about the soil that those seeds are going to fall upon. Speaking of soil, do you know anybody with an awesome lawn? Do you know anybody with really nice grass? I love a beautiful lawn with like bright green grass. It is like the passion and joy of my life. And I had a really nice lawn for like a season. It was before having five kids. That was the season, okay? <laughs> and then you have five kids and you don't get a lawn anymore. That's not how, that's how that works. Um, so I had a kind of a nice lawn. And I was kind of proud of my lawn, but then I met a couple of guys at New Day. And they happened to be my Facebook friends as well. And so they would post pictures of their lawn on Facebook at times, and I would see it. So, so one of those men is Josh Kendrick. He comes to New Day, and I want to show you a picture of my friend Josh's lawn. Take a look at Josh Kendrick's lawn. Yeah, isn't that nice? It's pretty. I know, I know. And I had a lot of envy. It's very impressive. And honestly, when I saw him put that on Facebook years ago, I was like, I, I don't want to be friends with you anymore, and, and, and I don't want to grow my grass anymore. You've discouraged me. So I was still floating around on Facebook and meeting more people at New Day, and then I saw Todd Benitez's lawn. Take a look at Todd Benitez's backyard. That, just take a look at that. Just, just drink it in. Todd Benitez's lawn. I have been told that if you walk barefoot on Todd Benitez's lawn, it's like walking on a cloud. But not just any kind of cloud. It's like a cloud that will like massage your feet and then whisper sweet nothings into your ear while it does it. This is the kind of lawn that my friend Todd can grow. It's really impressive. So I asked Josh to send me a selfie so that you could see Josh Kendrick. He wouldn't do it. And then I asked Todd to do it. He didn't want to do it, but his wife helped me out. So take a, picture, take a look at the picture of Todd. This is Todd Bonitis. <laughs> I've been told there was just dirt behind him when he sat down for that picture. And then those things just grew up like in a few moments. That's the ability that this guy has to grow stuff. So we see the crop that Josh and that Todd both have and they've produced with their lawns. And there's actually something we know that we don't see in the picture. We see that beautiful green grass, and that's awesome because that's actually the fruit. That's the result. That's the result of, of the growth. But what you don't see in the picture, but we know is true, is that both Josh and Todd, we know that underneath that grass, there is some really good soil. 
You can't grow grass like that. You can't produce that kind of fruit without some really, really good soil. So with good soil in mind, let's dive into our parable today. It's the parable of the sower. And the future parables are going to likely fall into the same three categories I'm going to give you. So if you look at your notes right now, you have three main categories, and we'll get to all of those in just a minute. And again, the future parables will likely fall into that as well. But the first thing that we're going to find together in our text on the parable of the sower, which is really more about the soil, is simply what I'm going to call the story. So that's your first fill in the blank. Number one is the story. In this parable mini-series, we're going to kind of lay it out like this, and the first section will be the story. And, and that's because a parable is a story. It's an earthly story with a heavenly lesson. So you've got to start with that earthly story, and here's the parable, the story of the sower, told by Jesus. Take a look, Matthew chapter 13, start in verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house, and he sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, and here it goes, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, but since they had no depth of soil, when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Verse 7, other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Verse 8, other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And then Jesus ends the story by saying, he who has ears, let him hear. So you got to picture Jesus here as a good rabbi. He's going to sit down and teach, not like we preach behind a pulpit these days. But the crowds are so big, and it's near the Sea of Galilee, so he's going to actually jump in a boat, and he's going to sit down from the boat, and then the sharp shoreline of the Sea of Galilee is actually going to create kind of like an amphitheater. So you've got to imagine a large crowd sitting all along the shoreline. He's just a little bit off into the water, sitting in a boat, and then he decides to share these parables. And this is how he starts, and he shares the parable of the sower. And I want you to just notice with me, because Jesus takes the time in this story to really point out the different types of soil so again, we're not an agrarian society. You might not be as familiar planting things. I'm definitely not. And so I want to just catch some people up to speed on just what he really means that people instantly would have known, but we're a little slower to the, to the uptake on some of these. So the next fill in the blank you have is actually the first type of soil that Jesus talked about. It's the hardened soil. And I wanted to show you a picture because the hardened soil in the time that the people would have heard this 2,000 years ago, it would just been obvious. Like, yes, between these fields we have, where everybody's in an agrarian society, we know where people walk, that becomes this hard path. It's trampled down by feet. It creates an environment that no growth can take place. And so it's not like they paved the path or anything like that. It was just the constant travel and the footpath there creates a hardened soil like you see in the picture. That's the hardened soil. And so a sower, again, don't forget, this is a person that's got a bag of seeds around their neck hanging off like a satchel, and they're just putting their hand in, and they're just tossing the seeds. Now, in between these fields... There might be a path like that, and they're not trying to throw the seed onto the path, but the seed will get there. Because as they're just tossing it out, tossing it out, tossing it out, inevitably, some falls on that hardened path. But that path is so hard that the only thing that can happen to the seed there, it will never penetrate that hard soil. It's too hard. So the only possible outcome for that seed is that someone can walk on top of it and trample it, or a bird can come fly by and just take a little peck and eat that thing right off the ground. 
can't penetrate. So yes, the sower sowed that seed, but there will be no root. And so if there is no root at all, then there will be no growth. There will be no fruit. That's the hardened soil. Okay, the next type of soil, again, just catching up those of us that aren't part of an agrarian society, is rocky soil. And I wanted to show you a picture of rocky soil and something did sprout up. And that's kind of consistent with the story that Jesus says here. But I want you to also know this, farmers of the day, they weren't dumb. So if they saw rocks like that around it, they would have taken the time to actually take the rock and get it out of the way. These weren't dumb farmers. They knew that rocky soil wasn't a great place to grow something. But Jesus was actually referring to this area in Palestine where everybody knew that the soil was very rocky. And so if you were a little bit lazy with it, you didn't work on that soil hard enough, you'll actually find out that you could make the soil on the surface look pretty good, like good soil, rich, no rocks. But it was such a rocky terrain that not too far below the surface, there would be another bedrock layer. And if you didn't really dig into that bedrock, and if you didn't really remove those stones from underneath, that's the kind of soil you would have. So, so notice, when the seed falls in that kind of soil, there's actually no rocks on the surface, and it's soft. So the seed can penetrate the surface. The birds won't get to it. And actually, it'll sprout up quick, sometimes quicker than something that might have ended up even in the good soil. It'll come up fast. You'll start to see green right away. The problem is, that there are rocks right below. And because of those rocks, that little plant that you had intended to grow, it can't get the roots deep enough. It's the depth that's the problem. There's immediate growth. The problem is the roots can't get down below that bedrock, and this means that they can't get to groundwater. Why is that so important? Well, you need groundwater if you're ever going to go through a difficult season, when it's hot for days on end when that sun is scorching, when the climate isn't all of a sudden favorable for the plant, no rainfall, there's some issues. The only thing that a plant can survive on is the groundwater below, the stuff you don't see. And they can only do so if the roots get deep. So you see the rocky soil, Jesus is saying the story, it, they, they couldn't get deep. That, that seed, those roots, the rocks held them and blocked them. So no results actually in the first soil, that's hardened soil. But what you need to understand is there's actually no results in the second soil either. That rocky soil, it looks like you got results. It sprouts up quick, but there'll be no true full bloom of that plant because of, inevitably there's going to be scorching sun. Inevitably there'll be a drought and that will wither away almost as if it has never grown in the first place. So no results in the first two types of soil. Here's the third type of soil. It's your next fill in the blank. It's the thorny soil, or you can think of weeds as well. And again, farmers aren't dumb, so take a look at the picture. They probably wouldn't plant here. They would have removed those thorns, but I needed you to see what it would look like when the thorns do grow up. But again, those farmers, they would have removed the weeds and the thorns that they saw, but have you ever tried to pick a weed at your own house? And if you pick it too high up at the top, you'll pull the top part of it off, but you know you didn't get the root, and you're like, oh my gosh. You know that that weed's coming up again. You know it's coming back, and it actually doesn't take very long at all. And so this is kind of the case. You cannot see a weed at all on the surface. And again, the soil looks similar to good soil at the top. But what's the problem is, is it wasn't tilled properly and those roots of weeds and thorns were never removed. And so what happens is, again, the seed can get into that soil and the seed can grow up and start to sprout. And in fact, it might last a little bit longer because those weeds, those roots might not block it the same way that rocks do. But the problem with weeds is that they grow up so quick and so fast. So that seed will sprout, but the weeds will sprout even faster. 
And again, I'm not like a botanist, but I do know about photosynthesis a little bit. And if you get weeds and thorns and all of a sudden that starts to overtake the plant that is shooting up at the same time, eventually the weed takes over. It blocks out all of the nutrients from the sun and from the rainwater that that plant is going to need to grow and to flourish and to produce fruit. So again, it sprouts and it might even get a little bit deeper with the roots, but it will be so choked out by the weeds that that plant will also die. You see, all three ultimately produce nothing, whether it's the hard soil, the rocky soil, or that thorny soil, and it leaves us with one soil left that's covered in the story that Jesus told, and that's your next fill in the blank. It's the good soil. This is that good soil. And it's not just a handful of good soil. It's loose, it's soft, it's pliable, but... You don't just scoop it off from the surface. If you dug down, I mean, you've got a deep shovel full, it still looks like that. There is depth to the goodness of this soil. You can go down deep and you won't find a weed. You can go down deep and you won't find a rock. There's nothing hidden in the soil. Churn it up all you want, dig it inside out, you will find that soft, pliable, workable soil so that the seed, when it gets into that and penetrates the surface, there's plenty of room for those roots to grow down deep. And I'm talking very deep so that they can get into that groundwater, that source of life that even when on the surface, it's not favorable conditions. Deep inside the soil, everything's okay. We can weather this storm. This is the good soil and what it produces. It's a favorable condition for the seed. And so what does favorable condition of soil produce? Well, Jesus says in the story, it produces a crop. And when he talks about the yield, I just need you to know that the hearers of the, the day, they would have said, what? Because in that Palestinian area at the time, they would have known that like maybe like an eightfold would be like, that'd be pretty good. An eightfold crop, Jesus says a hundredfold. That's astonishing to them. It's like, it's unheard of. Sixtyfold. Even 30-fold would be just such an amazing crop. Jesus says, if you've got good soil, if you don't have weeds, if you don't have rocks, if it can penetrate deep down to groundwater, you will be amazed at what can be produced from just one little seed grown in the right conditions. And just like that, Jesus finishes the story and the descriptions of the soil without any real context or revealing any spiritual truth and then he says, take a look, Matthew chapter 13, verse 9. He who has ears, let him hear. Let me translate that for today. It's like saying this to you. If you can understand it, understand it. I taught math for five years. I laughed when I read this. I was thinking like, that'd be like me walking into my algebra class and being like, the Pythagorean theorem. If you can understand it, understand it. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. You know, they're just walking out. That's what that felt like to me. I was like, thanks, Jesus? Like, what? If you can understand it, understand. What does that mean? And as you know from learning from Mike last week, but just in case you weren't here, as Mike taught last week, Jesus actually did use the parables in that time to conceal from certain people. Who would he conceal from? That doesn't make sense. I thought God wanted none to perish. Why would you? There were people that knew he was the Messiah, and they were willfully rejecting what they knew to be true about Jesus. And so to fulfill prophecy at that time, Jesus was speaking in parables that would be concealed to those individuals. They had willfully rejected him already, 
And so this was to fulfill prophecy, but I, I, this is so important for me, for you to hear this today. This is very important for all of us who are now in the church age, as Mike taught. See, once Jesus ascended into heaven after his resurrection, we now live in the church age. This is from the book of Acts in your Bible to where we are now. And in the church age, you need to know that Jesus is also, when he says, you can understand it. He who has ears, let him hear. He wants you to understand. You see, we have the explanation in the scriptures. We have this Bible that you walk around, you've got it on your phone. You have the same explanation that Jesus offered to his disciples that day. So you must know today that anybody who is truly serious about following after Jesus and wanting to understand him, that understanding is available to you today. And he has further explanation for you. You see, my kids, they perk up at the dinner table when they're Nanu, my father-in-law. He'll say something like this to them on purpose. He'll say, now, he'll be talking to me, but he's really talking to the kids. And he'll say, now, now don't tell the children, Andrew, but... He'll, he'll say, now, now, don't tell the kids. The kids can't hear this, Andrew. The kids can't hear it, but I, I need to tell you. And he does it on purpose because the kids are not paying attention. And all of a sudden, guess what happens? They start looking. <laughs> What's Nanu talking about? And we always laugh when he does it. You see, Nanu's not really trying to keep anything from them. He actually, if they want to pay attention, he's fine with them hearing that. He wants them to understand. I need you to know today, your heavenly father wants you to understand his word. He wants you to understand What's behind the symbolism behind this parable? There is an earthly story here, yes, but there are heavenly principles God wants for you to understand. So with that in mind, here's your next fill in the blank. It's actually the symbolism. We're going to talk about what Jesus meant. Number two, the symbolism. So here, as we pick up in verse 19, at the disciples' request, they're like my kids who perk up when Nanu's messing with them. We want to know. Jesus, what are you talking about? Why are you speaking that way? What does that parable mean? Jesus answers them. Take a look at verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Jesus says, this is what it means when I was talking about seed on a path. That's what I'm talking about. You see, the seed is any true representation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the word of God, and Jesus is the word. The word became flesh. It dwelt among us. You see, God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whosoever, whosoever would believe in him would be saved. They will not perish. They will have eternal life because of the sacrifice that God was willing to send called his son Jesus to die in your place for your sins. And as this message was going to be preached in the church age, as the disciples were going to be commissioned to preach from the book of Acts all the way on to where we are today, from this pulpit week after week at New Day Church, we tell people that Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through the Son. That is the gospel. And Jesus says, when you spread that seed of the gospel, every now and then, it's going to fall on that hardened path. That path where a person doesn't want to understand. A path where their heart, their soul is so hardened to the things of God that they refuse to listen. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 37, the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. 
Jesus wants everyone to be saved. So a person is not saved, not because Jesus doesn't want that to be the case for them. It's because that person doesn't want to be saved. You see, there are people, in a sense, that have the same exact soil as you and I have. And it's the same exact seed of the gospel. We're talking about the condition of that soil. If that soil weren't so hard, if it weren't so rejecting of the supernatural, if it weren't so anti-Jesus and the Bible, it may be able to receive it like other soil. But because that soil is so hard, that same gospel seed that penetrates so many hearts can't penetrate theirs. We would call this hard-heartedness. It's pretty simple. The Old Testament call it, called it a stiff-necked person. This was someone who knew better, but they said, nah, it's not for me. And what I think you need to understand is that this person, and this is hard to say, and I don't want to offend anybody, it's not my heart's desire, but I believe the hard-hearted person actually has experienced the most vicious attack that Satan can give. Satan is the prince of this world, the Bible says. And the hard-hearted person has become so enamored with earth and the natural that they are not open to the supernatural in any way. And they sometimes don't even know it. They have been so deceived that just this little vapor of life is the only thing that matters and there's nothing beyond it. They've been so deceived to believe that they're an accident rather than a creation by a creator. They've been so viciously attacked by Satan that they don't have room in their hard heart to even consider the possibility, to be open-minded enough to consider that Jesus could be who he says he is. This is a hard-hearted person. Jesus says there will be no fruit in a hard heart. They refuse to understand, not because they can't. They don't have a mental deficiency. It's because they are willfully saying, I want nothing to do with God, Jesus, or a supernatural possibility in the first place. That's the hard soil. Take a look at verses 20 to 21. Jesus goes on and he says, let me explain more to you. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. It has no root in himself, but endures for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, on account of Jesus, well, that person immediately falls away. You and I have seen these people. These people have a wonderful, and it's actually really beautiful, emotional response to their salvation. They might have come to a church service like this, and God may have met a, a felt need in their life from the word that was shared that day. And they were struggling so bad that when they heard that, it was such relief. It made such sense to them. And they decided, I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm going to accept Christ. I'm going to mark that little box that you ask us to do on the connect card at the end. I'm going to do that, and I'm going to get saved today. And, and joy filled them. Some of you have been at a conference where you saw, saw somebody run down an aisle and get saved. And then after that, what did they do? They went on their Facebook page and they told everybody, you've got to come to this church with me. And, and they, were, they would say, you should hear the preachers. You should hear the music. You should see the decor at my church. It's so great. You've got to come with me. And they would try to, they're so excited. And they might even change their status to Christian on that Facebook page. And they're telling people at work 
and they're telling people in their family, and they're fired up to serve Jesus. Remember that little plant in that rocky soil? Sometimes it sprouts up quicker than the good soil plant. And all of a sudden, you think, man, that person's radically saved. Like, something happened to them. But then what happens? That persecution comes. What does that mean? Those conditions outside, above the soil, they start to get harsh. You're sharing on Facebook. You're letting your family know something's changed in you. And all of a sudden, they say, yeah, that's true. You're different. You're not hanging out with us anymore on Saturday nights. What, what happened? Why, why all of a sudden do you care about the, the Bible? All you do is talk about your church and talk about Jesus. Will you knock it off? What, are you judging me? Hey, do you know what your Bible says about this? You think that's okay? And, and all of a sudden, they're experiencing that day in and day out. And what happens? The person who was so emotionally charged up, couldn't wait to serve Jesus, was happy to give their lives to him. Now the people, people that are closest to them in life, question that. Start to treat them differently. Jesus says those people are the ones when that trial comes, when the tough times of Christianity come, those people fall away. Those are the people that, yeah, they accepted me as Savior. But when push comes to shove, they're actually a fair-weather friend. You see, storms of life will come. Jesus said that would be true. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. We serve a Savior that didn't give us just puppy dogs and ice cream, and he never lied to us. Yes, he is the Savior of the world. Yes, he has so much to offer. And yes, biblical principles can meet felt needs and actually improve your life, sometimes overnight. But Jesus was very clear from the front. If you actually call me Lord and Savior, in this life, this blip, this little vapor, yeah, there will be trouble. But he says, take heart. I have overcome the world. This is the message, but the one that just emotionally jumps in and never gets deep, they will wither at the first sign of persecution. And honestly, in American culture, that's pretty much it. We might have friends that don't want to hang out with us anymore. Some of our family might kind of disown us in a way. There are people serving Jesus in other countries. They will die because of it. It's that kind of persecution. They will be removed from their family and friends that were Christians with them against their will. This is what Jesus was discussing. And the people with those rocky soils, they never went deep enough. They don't have that deep understanding that Jesus is both Lord and Savior in the good times and in the bad. Now take a look at verse 22 to see what the soil with thorns represents. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. This person with the heart of thorns would tell you that they love Jesus. And it's not that they don't. The problem is it's just that Jesus is not their first love. They love Jesus. He's just not anywhere close to first in their life. The person's first love is actually for things of this world. It's not that they don't love God, and you just can't miss this because this is dangerous territory for American Christians in particular. It's not that they don't love God. They do. They just love the things of the world so much more. The person with the thorny soil, they can't break up with two things, the love of money and the love of this world. They can't help themselves. They're so focused on riches and making a name for themselves. They're focused on material success, possessions, prestige, position, a job title, the corporate ladder. This person might even come to church once in a while on a Sunday or sometimes even regularly, but they've lost awareness of their own lack of spiritual fruit. 
They're actually not producing anything. Check their portfolio, they're doing great. Look at the car that they drive, it's pretty good. Watch what their children are up to in the terms of culture and in the measure of culture, they are knocking it out of the park. That's the fruit they're producing because of what they love. But when you look in a little deeper on the spiritual side, do they serve? Well, maybe not. Are they giving? Well, no. Are they spreading the gospel? Are they sharing their faith with other people? No, they haven't done that in a long time. You see, this person is who Jesus warns about, or John, I should say, warns us about in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 16. He says, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father. It's from the world. And the prince of this world is Satan. So a professing believer who's actually preoccupied with money, career, fashion, sports, these aren't wrong things in and of themselves. They become wrong when you make them bigger than Jesus in your life. That person, when they've made those things, the number one, the thorns and the weeds have grown up. And they have a thorn-infested heart. There's a hard heart. There's an emotionally rocky heart with no real depth beyond that emotion. And there's a thorny heart where they love so many other things than Jesus. But my friends, there's a final soil. There's a final soil. Take a look at verse 23 to see what the good soil represents. The disciples wanted to know, I hope you want to know today, as for what was sown on good soil. This is the one who hears the word and he understands it. They were looking for it. They've been searching everywhere for it. I need to know what's, what this life's about. I need to understand it. This person will bear fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold. In another, 60. And in another, 30. These people, they want understanding. These are the people that walk the earth and say, I desire something more than this life. I desire, I believe there's a God. I believe there's a creator. I need to know him. I need to know more. And guess what? These people get emotional too. There's nothing wrong with emotion. Don't get that twisted today. But these people, when they find out there's a holy God and their sin separates them from that holy God, they realize that Jesus is the way. And they realize he's who I need. And when they find out my sin would have kept me from God and hell would have been my landing place, yet God loved me while I still sinned and said I was valuable enough that he would pay for me with his own son, Jesus, the sinless, the spotless lamb. And when that emotion hits you and you realize that you didn't deserve it and it's nothing you could have earned, you better believe people get emotional. But they're emotional because they repent and they say, God, forgive me. Help me never do what I was doing in my past. God, help me run after whatever you've asked me to do. And sometimes what's asked is difficult. And there are people that you love in this life that won't go with you towards Jesus. And it creates a problem, a persecution, unfavorable conditions. But those persons say, it's not just emotion for me. I know what God did deep in my heart. I know where I'd be without Jesus. I don't want to lose a single friend, a single family member, but if I must, I will because Jesus is the treasure. 
The roots have to go deeper than those rocks of persecution. I have to get to the groundwater of my salvation, which is found only in Christ alone. And you can dangle anything in front of my eyes. And you can flash something bright. And you can drive the best car. And I like cars. You can drive the best car in front of me. And though I'll think it's pretty and there's nothing wrong with it, it'll never be my first love. My first love will always be that Jesus who saved me. It'll be the Jesus who has my purpose in his hands. It's the one who's creating a place for me for eternity. And in this little vapor of a life, he says, I can use you. The person with the good soil says, all those other things are secondary. Of course, everybody wants a savior. The good soil says, I'm willing to make him Lord. Nothing is more important than him. And what Jesus says to a person with good soil, he says, okay, well, guess what I'm going to produce in you? Maybe 30. Now, maybe 60. Maybe 100 times what you ever thought was imaginable in this life and in the life to come. See, that's the symbolism. You've heard the story. You got the inside scoop if you were ready to hear it today. But now what? So what? <laughs> what do we do? This leads you to your next fill in the blank. It's called the significance. Mike explained last week that parables have one meaning. That's the significance. And we actually already know that Jesus was letting his disciples know that in the church age, which again, you and I live in it now, that when we share this gospel, this Jesus, who's the way, the truth, the life, the only way to the, to the Father is through the Son. When we share this with people and we, let that, and we spread that seed of the gospel, Jesus was letting his disciples know and he's letting you and me know today. When we spread that, it's going to fall in all different types of soil. Just be ready. Not everybody will receive it with good soil. I'll tell you what, New Day turns 15 this month, 15 years old. We've been spreading the seeds of the gospel for 15 years. Can I just tell you something? Jesus knew what was going to be true 2,000 years ago. I have seen it myself. As we spread the, the, the seed of the gospel week after week after week, it falls on all these types of soils. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen every single type of soil and I've watched it with my own eyes for 15 years as we spread that same seed into the same people that have all the same soil. It's just in different conditions when it lands. You see, that's going to happen and that was the meaning of the parable. And so with that in mind, I actually have one application for you though today. So what does that mean for you? How do you actually apply that today? And this is your last fill in the blank. What I want you to do is I want you to analyze the condition of your soul's soil today. Will you write that down? Analyze the condition of your soul's soil. Have you heard about Sunday? I'm not talking about Sundays at New Day, like you're experiencing right now. I'm talking about Sunday. Take a look. It's the customized lawn care company. <laughs> the company Sunday will customize a lawn care plan just for you so that your lawn could end up looking just like Josh's or Todd's. And guess how they start the process? I don't think it's going to surprise any single one of you that have been listening to me today. That's right, they start the process by analyzing the soil. Sunday uses satellite mapping, local climate data, and the results of your personal soil sample to get you on the path to a more fruitful lawn. That's pretty cool. Maybe you'll use Sunday. I hope you do. I love good lawns. I like to see more of them out there on my Facebook feed, so I hope it happens. But I had to just tell you something today. There's just something so much more important than your lawn. It's Sunday. 
Are you ready to analyze the condition of your soul's soil today? Can I ask you to do it? Can that be the application for anybody within the sound of my voice? If you have ears to hear, can you hear me today? Will you analyze the condition of your soul's soil? I don't want anybody mad at me today. I'm willing to risk it. But I don't want you leaving here mad at me. But I want to talk to some people. I want to talk to a hard-hearted person today that I think you're here in the room and I think you might be online. And again, I don't want to offend, but maybe you're that unbelieving spouse who your spouse is a believer and they've been dragging you to church for I don't know how long. And I'll tell you what, you think to yourself, I'm better than that other spouse who doesn't show up and you're not wrong. You are. But guess what? Good people don't get to heaven. You might be better than that person. Better people don't get to heaven. Forgiven people do. And you might be that hard-hearted spouse and you said, I don't have any room for that nonsense called Christianity and you just chalk it up to the Easter bunny and to the tooth fairy and you think supernatural is not for you. Can I just ask you, unbelieving spouse, can you hear me with love today? You have the same soil as me. You have the same soil as your spouse. It's just your condition. And my concern for you, and if you're willing to hear it, and if you have the ears to hear, I hope you hear it today. I believe you've experienced the most vicious attack of Satan. And I believe what he has done is he has hardened you. He has convinced you that it's just this little vapor. That's all there is to it. You were an accident and then it's done. And you better live as long as you can and live it up. And that's a lie. And I think you've been convinced. And I think you haven't been open. But I believe in a powerful God. And I believe in the power of his Holy Spirit. And I know the Holy Spirit of God himself can break the hardest path. He could just put a little crack in that hard path of your life today so that a seed could fit in. It's the seed of the gospel and it could change everything for you and for your family and for your legacy. If you'd be willing to have the ears to hear today, don't be attacked by Satan. Let your loving heavenly father who did know you in your mother's womb, who has a plan so much greater for your life, let him show up. And I know he can. I can't do it for you, but I know he can. Till the soil of your heart today. Do you have rocky soil? Were you somebody who got so fired up to serve Jesus? You said, Andrew, that was me. I'm that person. I got fired up. It met a need for me, but I am dying here. My family thinks I'm a weirdo. My friends don't want to be friends with me in the same way. I feel like an outcast and I haven't even made good friends yet at the church. So I don't know what to do. God's saying, just get those rocks out of there. Don't let that keep me from driving your roots deep. Yes, those are people. Guess what? Those are people God loves in your life. And if you're willing to say, God, you're first before them, you know what God does often? Again, I've been at this for 15 years in ministry, full time. You know what God does often when that happens? Is he honors your faith. When you put him first, yeah, those people may go away for a time, but guess what? He's got a bigger plan than that. You don't think he loves them too? He does. And when you're willing to say, God, you're more than them. You are more to me than them. They're the closest person I've ever known, yet I'm willing to say you are number one. God will not only give you him, which is the greatest treasure you'll ever find, he will often bring them back, not just to you, as great as that is. That's not the most important thing for them. He brings them to him. This is his great plan. He wants to use you. But some of you, you've got the thorns around you as well. And it's the stuff and it's the things. And I like them too. We got nice stuff even in this church and I love it. But I don't love it more than Jesus. And if you took it all away, I know I'd still have him. And you could take every single treasure. And you could strip me naked and put me on the side of the street and it'd be quite a sight to see. And I don't think we should see it. But the bottom line is, <laughs> I'd still have Jesus. I'd have no dignity left, but I'd have Jesus. And I'll take it. I don't want it, but I'll take it. If that's what I'm, if I have to, because there's nothing that matters more to me than him. 
And that doesn't make me any more special than you. It doesn't mean I don't have the same struggles. I have to till the soil of my soul every day, day in and day out. And I have to recommit my life. Jesus, you're the one. You're the only thing that matters to me. And even those of you who've been walking around with good soil, isn't it true, Christians? You start looking around and you sometimes even ask when you got good soil, well, God, why are they getting a hundredfold? Why am I only doing 30? What about so-and-so? It looks like you're using them so much more. It looks like their whole family loves that they're a Christian. It looks like their ministry is always thriving. They're so eloquent. It looks like everybody just celebrates them online. What about me? What about me? Why is everything I touch? It feels like it fails. I don't even think I have 30-fold. What am I doing? You know what we're doing? We're pointing to other people's soil. God says to the Christian, even with good soil, stop the pointing. Use the thumb. All you can do is till the soil of your heart. It's the condition. God gives you that, that authority. You can say, God, I'm willing to be used for whatever purpose. I don't control the multiply. I just control the condition of the soil. And he will make it multiply as he sees fit. That's for somebody today. I don't know who it's for today. But God says, you're enough. If I give you tenfold, you're still enough. And it's not, you're still worth dying for. If I give you a hundredfold, what business is that as yours? That's his business. That's his work. But he does promise he'll do an amazing work through you that only you can do. But you'll only do it if you till that soil and you check that condition and you say, God, there's nothing greater than you. Friends, will you analyze the condition of your soul? God will make it grow. Your crop, your spiritual lawn, if you will, Till that soil, he'll multiply it exactly how he intends it to be. It's the parable of the sower. Jesus is concerned with the condition of your soil today, church. So he who has ears to hear today, let him hear. Will you bow your heads? Will you close your eyes with me? I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, you love us in a way that is unimaginable. Sending your son Jesus to die in my place for my sins so that you and I can be together. And so that you can use me, God, I, I'm just blown away. I don't even understand it. It's such a mystery. God, for my brothers and my sisters here today, someone here, they need to hear that mystery for the first time and accept your son Jesus as Lord and Savior. God, they have the, so, the soil ready. It might be a little hard even today for them. Find that crack in the soil right now, Jesus. Do what only you can do. I can't do it. I have no saving power, God. You know that. You have the power to save. Your Holy Spirit can drive a little crack in that hard soil. God, you can remove stones today. God, you can eradicate the thorns and the weeds. God, you can even till up that good soil that's been there for someone here today and show them that it's your job to multiply, not theirs. And you will do the work that you promised to do in and through them. And we'll rejoice in heaven together about it. God, give us all a, a mindset today. Help it be Sunday, not the lawn company. Sunday, church Sunday, where the Holy Spirit moves kind of Sunday, where we know, God, we're naked before you. What do you have for us today? Thanks God, for experiencing this message with us. Do you want more New Day Church in your life? Well, please like and subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Want to take a next step in your faith? Our Church Center app is the best place to get more connected. So just download the free app on your app store today and be sure to choose New Day Church in Enfield, Connecticut. We are able to offer this sermon and all others like it only because of your faithful financial support. Thank you to all of you who so faithfully give each week. 
If you feel led to support our ministry financially, just go to our website at newdaychurch.cc forward slash give. Thank you in advance. May God richly bless you, and we hope to see you again real soon.